0: Oh, well, welcome to Big Valley Grace, Uh, especially if this is your first time with us, welcome to all of you that are watching online. And I want everybody to know I've had a great, great day, Um, uh, literally, literally woke up this morning early, traveled to uh, Waterford and got to speak to a whole bunch of guys, there was a conference there, uh, actually a church from Modesto, a church from Waterford, kind of Got together, and I got to meet just some wonderful guys. In fact, I know there's a couple of them sitting right up there. And uh, got home, and uh, here's a little fun fact you don't, you, you don't know about me, is, is I love the Pro Bowling uh, uh, Tour Association, the PBA. And so I watch it all the time. And today they kicked off the whole uh, season with the Hall of Fame uh, game. You know, and so I don't want to bore you because some of you are going, really? Yeah, man, I'm telling you, I watch it. My wife will tell you. So I'm there watching the thing and the guy that won the championship bowled the 300, man. It was like first time in a long time. Anyway, and then I get to end my night with all of you teaching the word of God. So this has um, been a really, really great, um, really great day for me. Now, here's the deal. I got a lot to get through. I hope you're, you're comfy. We could be here a while. We're gonna take orders for breakfast, okay? And we'll, we'll serve it to you on the way out. Last week, Pastor Lonnie kicked off our, our married series, and wow, wow, if you weren't here, you just need to go online and watch it or listen, and listen to it, it's absolutely free, and it was really, really fantastic, super powerful, and like I said, if you weren't here, you need to listen to it. But he also introduced us all to a, uh, to a couple. And uh, throughout the series, you're going to keep meeting this couple. And uh, so, so check out the, the, the Jumbotrons. Sarah and Davis have chosen to write their own vows. So Sarah. I promise to care for you and love you our entire life. I promise to be your best friend. Whoa, 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 whoa. You can't just be saying best friend, okay? Pete's my best friend. Hold up. I thought I was his best friend. We've been through a lot together. Gosh, we have been through so much together. Second grade was really rough for us. I remember when he fell off the monkey bars. I mean, he gave me his fruit roll-up. I mean, I gave him my fruit roll-up. That was like, (sighs) I hope he knows that he's my best friend. Our friendship has survived so much. (laughs) You think that this is gonna divide us? I promise to be your most loyal friend. I'm loyal too! She is confusing me so much right now. She is my wife, he is my best friend. Who's the best friend here? Who? As this journey of life completely changes us, we'll be together forever. Dude, 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 dude. Aw, he's crying. (laughs) I'm going to have to be gluten-free. Oh, man, dude, if you go gluten-free, I have to be gluten-free. I don't want to be gluten-free, man. It's the end of an era, Davis. It's the end of an era. Yes, I am crushing these vows. (laughs) Yeah, well, uh, you'll see more of them in the weeks to come, and that will kind of... Kind of, you'll see how that fits into the message. I want you to take your Bible and I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 2. Okay, the very first book in the Bible. I want you to turn to Genesis uh, chapter 2. You know, the the teaching team understands that uh, some of you are, are newlyweds, some of you have been married 10, 20, 30, 40 years, some of you are single. Some of you are divorced. Some of you have been divorced multiple times. Some of you are separated right now. We know that some of you have never been married. Some of you are engaged right now. Some of you um, aren't dating anybody. You're not seeing anybody, but you're hoping that maybe someday God would bring somebody into your life. We know that some of you are married, and wow, there's a lot of stress in your marriage right now. In fact, Uh, I heard from a few people uh, where, frankly, their their marriages are are, are dead, and the good news is you've come to a place that has just been singing to a, a God who is an expert at resurrections, and uh, some of you are praying that that might happen in your life. All this to say that that, that there are many different kinds of people here, many different kinds of needs here, but I guarantee you that God has a specific word for you today and throughout this entire series. And I do want to say just something to all of you that are single, because we're calling this a marriage series, you know, renewing your marriage and all that. So let me just quickly say something to those of you that are single and you want to be married someday. Not everybody is supposed to get married, okay? God does call some people to not get married. It's a small percentage of people. But for those of you that are single and you'd like to get married some, some, sometime, I'm going to give you my, my conference right now. I'm going to do it in two words, Okay, so get your pins out, or if you're married and you want to give your children some wisdom someday, I'm going to give you, give, give you two words. I didn't make this up. I didn't make these two things up, but I think they're really great. The first thing is this. You want to have a marriage that lasts forever, a great marriage. The first thing you got to do is choose wisely. You got to make a good choice, and I'm going to give you some things today that you got to be, be, be thinking about you got to make a wise choice in who, who that man is that you're going to marry or who that wim, woman is that you're going to marry. You have to make a wise choice, okay? And the second one is this. If you make a wise choice and you pick a, you know, a really good godly man or a really good godly woman, if you make a, a wise choice, then, then you just treat them kindly. Treat them with respect. Treat them with honor. And I guarantee you, if you choose widely, wisely and you treat with great honor and respect you'll be married forever guarantee it if you don't choose wisely you choose a bum or a jerk or a loser it doesn't matter how kind you treat them doesn't matter you pick wrong and if you choose wisely and you don't treat that person now with great kindness and respect and honor and all those things well you're in trouble you got to put those two together. You, you you choose somebody wisely, and that's what the dating process is about. The reason why you go out and have coffee and talk and have dinner or whatever it is, you're you're trying to make a determination: is this the right soul for me? That's why you you, you want to get your parents involved. You want to get your friends involved. You want to get your pastor involved. You 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 come and introduce your your you know dude to me. I got no you know, dog in the race. I'm going to tell you exactly what I think. I'm not emotionally engaged in the, in the thing. So you got to gather wisdom and then you simply treat them the way the scriptures say you're to treat them. And we're going to talk about one of those things, uh, one of those things today. So uh, Lonnie shared this last weekend. We have kind of three goals. The first one is we hope this would be an encouraging time to you. And I've already heard from a lot of people. I'm sure Lonnie did too. Man, last weekend was encouraging. Super encouraging and we want it to be an encouraging time. But we also want it to be a time that brings hope because we know that a lot of marriages are are under a lot of pressure and tension and all those things. And so we hope that as we look at the word of God together and sing all these great songs and we bring our offerings to the Lord and we see people being baptized and we come together in this room in fellowship, that man, you would experience some hope, that there's always hope in Jesus Christ And then last, we hope this is a series that challenges you. I don't care where you are in your your marriage. You can have a great marriage. You can have a a decent marriage. You can have a crummy marriage. I don't care what it is. Lonnie doesn't care. Here's it. We hope that all of us are challenged when we hear the Word of God. We hope that the Holy Spirit would work in your lives or whatever. I know God was working on me this week as I was just studying some things. Now we do have one rule as we go through this series, and and um, that's if you hear something that Lonnie says or I say or Joel says, and you're thinking to yourself, "Boy, my spouse needs to work on it." Here's the rule: you can't elbow your spouse. Like, that's for you, man. Okay, you can't do that. That's illegal. If I see it happening, I'm diving off. And the ushers are yanking you out, and we're going to flog you in in, in a room out there, okay? Um, Unless your spouse asks for input. And if your spouse says, hey, look, I'd like to maybe over dinner or over coffee, could we go through Lonnie's message together? Could we go through Pastor Rick's message together? Could we go through Pastor Joel's message together? Could we go through that together? And if they invite you in, then talk about it. But if they don't, none, 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 none of that, okay? So, so here we go. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 2, and there's no way you can do a marriage series or conference or whatever without looking at Genesis chapter, chapter 2, okay? So, uh, Because that's where we see the original blueprint for marriage. And so Genesis chapter 2, look at verse uh, 15, Then the Lord God placed the man, that's Adam, in the Garden of Eden to tend and to watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you will surely die. Eve has not been created yet. God has now told Adam something. Eve hasn't heard it yet. Because Eve hasn't even been created yet. So God, this is the first recorded Bible study in, in, in the Bible. God led a Bible study. He has the man, and he says, hey, look, see that tree? Yeah, everything else is golden. Just don't eat from that one. Okay? Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would call them all. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But still, there was no helper just right for him. So you got this picture that all these animals are, are coming. You know, two porcupines. And he goes, uh, porcupines. Um, I don't know, two zebras. Zebras. Uh, well, rhinoceroses. He, he, he's seeing a male and a female Rhinoceros. Rhinoceros. Okay, he's seen a male and a and a female. Uh, I don't know, eagle. Okay, he's seen a male and a female of all these animals, and he's naming them. Okay, but there wasn't anybody. Man, I, I could imagine. I, I don't look like that porcupine. I don't look like this rhinoceros. I don't look like this giraffe. There's two of every one of these things. Two cows, male and a female. Verse 21 So the Lord God caused a man to fall into a deep sleep. And while the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and he closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man, just like all the animals were brought. the man two zebras and two porcupines or whatever they were and now all of a sudden God brings the woman at last the man exclaimed this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh she will be called woman because she was taken from a man This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now, the man and his wife are both naked, but they felt no shame. Okay? This is pre-Genesis 3. Sin hasn't entered into the equation of life. Okay? I want you to think about this. When Adam was put in the Garden of Eden, it was a perfect environment. Adam had everything he wanted. He had a place to live. He had a purpose for living. He had God's protection. He had everything he needed. Yet the Bible says that God looked at Adam and said, it's not good for a man to be alone. What's God saying here? Is God saying that it's somehow sinful or evil or wicked to be single? Of course not. So what what is God communicating here? Well, I I think he's telling us a lot. I I think this is really a a weighty passage, okay? But uh, I I do wanna give you what I think is the big thing. And Lonnie talked a little bit about it last week. The big thing is exactly what God said. God, God never meant for anybody to be alone God didn't want anybody to be lonely, and so God made Adam a wife, a a partner, a companion, somebody he could do life with. One of the the great purposes of marriage is to fulfill your need for relationship, which obviously prevents loneliness. See, it's not good for a man to be alone. What solved that problem was marriage. But we know that God doesn't have some people get married. We know the great apostle Paul wasn't married. So how how do you solve the problem of loneliness when you're a single? Hmm. 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 Small groups, life groups, women's ministries, men's ministries, The church is this incredible place where you can come and do life with others. Find friends where you're not lonely. But obviously, if you get married, it solves the the problem of loneliness. Now, I think it's a really interesting process that God had Adam go through. First, he creates all these animals, and he has them all brought to Adam, and Adam sees, you know, like I said, a male and a female, you know, cow and names him and, and what God's doing is he's helping Adam understand something none of these are like you I created them all I created that porcupine but that porcupine ain't like you is he no I created that zebra but that zebra's nothing like you right no I created that hawk but that hawk isn't anything like you he was helping Adam understand something. Really, really fascinating that how, how God takes Adam through this, this process. Now I want you to imagine, you're Adam. You fall asleep, you wake up, and all of a sudden, I don't know, walking through the ferns, is this perfect specimen of femininity? No Mars, no nothing. Sin hasn't, hasn't entered into the equation of, of life. Man, no defects. Naked. porcupine. Uh, Maybe a more modern day translation would be, far out. (laughs) Unbelievable. Imagine that moment, what it must have been like. Just an incredible moment. By the way, that's how most marriages kind of start off. Man, you come to the church, guy has on his monkey suit. <laughs> you know, I, I, can't, I couldn't count how many weddings I've done, and I always know what's going to happen when the dude has never seen the bride in her dress yet. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen her yet. We're going to do all our pictures afterwards. She wanted me to see her when I was coming down the aisle. And I'm telling you, 100% of the time, all of a sudden, you know, we all get in position. And, you know, the flower girls come down. And then the girls all come down. and, And then all of a sudden, everything stops. And the music changes. And everybody stands up. And in she comes. And I'm looking at him. At last, far out. (laughs) It's it's this incredible moment. Just unbelievable. But somewhere down the road, uh, something happens, right? The far out, uh, the unbelievable fades away. Someone once said that the problem with marriage is that most marriages start off as an ideal and then they become an ordeal and pretty soon you're looking for a new deal, okay? I couldn't remember where I found that. I didn't make that up. But I found that in my notes and I went, that's pretty good. That's unbelievable. What happens? Why is there this turnabout What's going on? There isn't anybody. I've married a zillion people. Rick, Pastor Rick, you've married a bunch of people. Lonnie's married a bunch of people. You pick any pastor on our staff that's married people. and Not one of them ever said, man, I can hardly wait to get married. I know we're going to be divorced in a year or two or five, but this is going to be really a great run. Nobody ever does that. Nobody. Something happens. Something goes, goes haywire. And by the way, next week, Lord William, I'm gonna talk a, a, a lot about that. Well, verse 24 gives us some really important information. It's one of the, the key passages as it relates to marriage. In fact, it's, it's so important. It's quoted five different times in the Bible. Three by Jesus and two by the Apostle Paul. So, so this is something important. It's something that God doesn't want us to miss. Okay? Okay. Moses writes it in Genesis 2, and Jesus, as I said, is going to quote it three times. The great apostle is going to quote it twice. Okay, verse 24 is the blueprint. It's the foundation for every good marriage. Okay, so look at verse 24. This explains why a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife, a woman, and the two are united into one. Maybe the first thing I want you to understand is marriage is God's idea. He's the one who thought this whole thing up. He's the one who looked down and knew that Adam did not have a, a uh, uh, you know, an, a partner, someone he could do life with, and he's the one who creates her. Somebody just for him. And one of the first things you, you notice that God says that, that when you get married, when you say I do, that there are some things that you have to let go of. There are some things you have to give up. And there are some things that you need to hold on to. There are some things you need to you know, grab on to. And if you want to have a great marriage, if you want to have the kind of marriage that God wants you to have, and I think the kind of marriage you want to have, there are some things that you have to let go of. And there are some things that you need to hold on to. And what happens in a lot of marriages is is that you forget to let go of some things and you forget to hold on to some things. And so what I want to do is I I just kind of want to walk through this. I want to talk about some of these things, some of these things you need to let go of. And I'm going to start there first. And remember the rule. No doing that. No doing that. For some of you, the Holy Spirit's going to really do a work in your life right now. And for some of you, you're going to get really angry and you're going to tune me out. And that's really tragic. For some of you, it won't be the couple. It'll be you as a mother or you as a father. And I just want you to embrace whatever the Holy Spirit's doing in your life. Just embrace it. And then take whatever actions you need to take just to maybe deal with the guilt. Okay? So, Give you a couple things you gotta let go of. Number one, you gotta let go of your parents. This explains why a man leaves his father and his mother, and this is true for ladies too. When you say, I do, when you make a vow and commit to love and care and honor your spouse until death do you part. Obviously, that means you have to let go of your parents. God's not just talking about geography here, moving out of the house. He's talking about leaving psychologically. Leaving literally means to break your dependence. It's to cut the emotional umbilical cord. Your relationship to your parents changes at the moment that you say, I do. And for some of you, this is hard. In fact, for some of you, you haven't been able to do it yet, and it's goofing up your marriage. If a a baby isn't cut from its mother's umbilical cord, it can't live, and the same thing is true for your marriage. A marriage can't make it if you don't psychologically cut the umbilical cord and let go of your parents'. And as I said, it has nothing to do with geography. You can live right next door to your parents and have let go. You, could, you can live here in California and your parents live in New York and you haven't you know, let go. It's not about geography. It's a psychological thing. Now, I want you to know, I I see this problem all the time with people that I talk to who are struggling in their marriages. I hear about, you know, spouses who never make a decision without first calling up, you know, mommy or daddy. I know people who have been married for decades, they're in their 40s or 50s or whatever, but they still call mommy before they do anything. I hear about spouses that anytime there's a problem, first thing they do is call their mommy. First thing they do is call dad. I know some couples who have been married for years and have children of their own, and yet they've never built any of their own family traditions because they're always with their parents doing whatever they want. And yes, the fifth greatest commandment is we're to honor our mothers and our fathers. And when you're, uh, when you're younger, when you're under 18, that simply means basically you're to obey everything they tell you. Obviously, when you're 59 years old, uh, I can obey my parents, but it doesn't mean I have you know honor them, but it doesn't mean I have to obey everything they say. Here's the point, your partner shouldn't have to compete with your parents, and that happens too often. And by the way, your your partner, your spouse will put up with it for a little while, a year, two, three, five, maybe a decade, but then there finally comes a point where they go, you know what, man? When I said I do, I didn't know I was marrying your mother. I didn't know I was marrying your dad. I didn't realize that. And I'm done. I've just had it. Listen, when your spouse has to compete with your parents, it it puts all kinds of pressure on a marriage it makes uh it makes your, your wife feel insecure and ladies it, it makes your husband feel inadequate and for some of you you really need to allow the holy spirit to kind of think about your life and your marriage and i'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings i'm just simply telling you what the word of god says Gotta let go. Gotta let go. And I'm not telling you you can't love your parents. I'm not telling you you can't hang out with them and do life with them and go to Disneyland with them or whatever, I'm not not saying that. The second thing you gotta let go of is this, you gotta let go of other people. Here's the deal. If God expects you to let go of your parents, doesn't it make sense that you'd have to let go of other people, other relationships, other friends? Maybe your brother, your sister, maybe a former boyfriend or a former girlfriend. Maybe it's a former spouse. (laughs) Absolutely, right? I'm always blown away when, you know, a gal says to her husband, Hey, listen, I, I, I just really don't like it that you still are in contact with your old girlfriend, that you, well, you know, and he says, oh, we're, just, we're still just friends. Yeah. Your wife doesn't like it. <laughs> we're not building the space shuttle here. Your wife said it bothers her. Done. Let go! Huh? what's my old girlfriend gonna say? I don't know and I don't care. <laughs> don't you get it? And I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to you know be a jerk here. But we got we got some problems in, in, in our culture today. Real big problems. It's amazing to me how many dudes are still talking to their ex girlfriends or whatever on Facebook or they text. It just messes up a lot of marriages. And it, well, it seems like you're getting all ticked off about it. I am. I am. Look, once you say, I do, that, that's the relationship you're supposed to focus on. You let go of your parents, and you let go of some other relationships. In that video, you know, wait a minute, I'm your best friend. No, I'm your best friend. That happens. It's real. Once you say, I do, that's the primary relationship, other than your relationship with the Lord, obviously. Now here's one thing that happens when you don't let go of other people. You fall into the trap of comparison. When things start getting a little tough in your marriage, you start thinking, you know, if he or she were only more like. I wish I'd never broken off that relationship with. This is called the grass is greener somewhere else myth. When you're here and you look over there across the river or the creek and you go, man, the grass is greener over there. Stuff got tough in your marriage, man. And you still, still haven't let go of certain people. Man, the grass is greener over there, man. I, I, I knew I shouldn't have done that. Man, I just wish my wife was, you know, more like, you know, whoever, whatever her name is. Here's the deal. The grass isn't greener on that side of the fence and the grass isn't greener on this side of the fence. The grass is greener where you water it. That's where it's greener. And by the way, I didn't make that up either. But it's a great quote. If you look over there and go, man, the grass is really, really green over there, what that means is you're not watering your own grass. Maybe there's something you haven't let go of. Have you let go of your parents? That's a good place to start. Have I really let go of my parents? Or are they somehow always in the midst of our relationship? Have, have I really let them go? Are my friends getting in the way? And guys, look, it could be a buddy who you're always hanging out with, hanging out at their man cave, or hanging out at games. or do, it, it doesn't have to be, you know, some gal, but you said I do to somebody. You became one with somebody. That means you gotta let go of some things. Gotta let go of some people in your life. And, and number three, you gotta let go of your, your, your past you know, problems. Um, <laughs> look, every marriage has a, enough problems on its own without having to deal with all the crud that comes from your past. Somebody asked me, uh, oh, this was, uh, oh, I don't know, last week sometime, Lonnie, and they said, you know, why is marriage so hard? And I said, it's, it's not. You know, God wasn't up in heaven going, okay, I got to figure Oh, you know what? I am going to build this thing in such a way that Adam and Eve and this whole marriage thing, what a bummer! They're going to be miserable all of their days. That's not what God, God didn't have that in mind. It's a pretty easy gig. Just make sure you make a right choice, a good choice. Pick a godly man, pick a godly woman, and then treat them the way the Bible says. And in this case, let, let your parents go. Let, you know, that doesn't mean you don't see them. Like, let, let your friends go, old girlfriends. It's not that you're rude if you run into them at Raley's or Tahoe Joe's. You say hi and you're kind. Hey, nice to see you, whatever. You're not rude. But you you got to let go of some things. But you also have to let go of your past, you know, problems. Now, what kinds of problems am I talking about? Well, there's all kinds of problems. Well, let me give you the three big ones, I think. These are three problems that you better deal with before you say I do. And here's the deal, for those of you that are single or you're engaged or seriously dating somebody or whatever, you need to talk about these things I'm gonna talk about right now. Because once you say I do, guess what? Do you know whether they let go of their parents? Is it a mama's boy? Have they let go of their friends? And you want to know, man, have you dealt with problems? I'm going to give you a couple. You need to let go of past grudges. Another wrong was saying, hey, listen, we seem to be getting kind of serious, and I kind of like it, and this is going kind of good. I just wonder, you got grudges in your life? You got things that you haven't dealt with in your past that's causing you Resentment? that's causing resentment in your life? Ask the question. You gotta deal with it. And if they say, no, you know what, man, I'm still bitter about this, and I'm still bitter about this. Man, back in 1962, I got shafted, and I'm still bitter about it. You know what? I think we're done. You haven't let go of that, and I don't wanna say I do and have that come into my new marriage, my new life with you. I don't want that, because resentment will just just goof you up, because here's the deal. When you become one and you haven't let go of those past grudges, resentment, the bitterness that's all there, you know who you take it out on, your spouse, and they didn't even know the person. They had nothing to do with whatever happened but they're the one that's gonna take the brunt end of it all. So they gotta let go of of grudges. Number two, you gotta let go of past grief. Single people, listen up. Getting some good stuff here. Look, everybody experiences sorrow and loss, we all do, right? It's normal and natural to have times of sorrow, even great sorrow. What's unnatural is when mourning turns into moaning and and self pity. Look, when you hold on to grief, it becomes destructive and it starts to eat away at you and it starts to say things or think things like this Man, I'll never be happy again. Man, my husband or my wife doesn't make me happy anymore. How many of you remember, and if you're young, you won't remember uh, the the movie, It it came out in 1980 called Ordinary People. Anybody remember that? Yeah, a bunch of you. It won an Academy Award that year, and basically it was a story of how one woman's grief, legitimate grief... She lost her son, but she chose not to deal with it. And because of that, it literally destroyed her marriage. It destroyed her entire family. An entire family was destroyed because one person refused to let go of the grief. Some of you are new. I was married once before. My first wife died in a car accident a long, long, long time ago. Okay, a long time ago. And one of the things that, uh, uh, the counselor or the therapist wanted to make sure it was have I dealt with the grief of losing my wife before I married again because the last thing Aaron needed was for me to bring my past grief into this new relationship that was something I had to let go of make sense So you gotta give up uh, you know, grudges and you gotta give up grief. And the third one is, is you gotta let go of past guilt. <laughs> Nothing destroys a, a marriage like guilt. It ruins openness, it damages trust, it kills intimacy. Gu- guilt does all kinds of terrible things. I meet people all the time who are torturing themselves and their marriage for things that happened a long time before they were ever married, and it's not fair to your spouse. In fact, what some people will do is they did something really crummy in their past, and they have all this guilt that they haven't let go of, and they bring it into their marriage, and guess what? They start to build a wall up because they don't want their spouse to know about whatever that thing was that they did that's causing them all this, you know, uh, guilt. So what's the solution of letting go of these three things? Well, there's only one solution, and I'm going to give it to you in one word, and that is the word forgiveness. Forgiveness. You confess your sins, you ask God to forgive you and actually accept his forgiveness. Uh, The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, if we confess our sins to God, he will keep his promise and do what is right and he'll forgive us of our sins and he'll purify us from all our wrongdoings. God has kind of made this pretty easy. Look, maybe you're sitting there right now going, man, I've been married, I've been hanging on to my parents, man, I've been hanging on to whatever it all is. (laughs) Literally in in 10 seconds, you could say, "Man, I'm sorry, God." Sure, I'm glad I came to church tonight. I heard from you, and I'm just really sorry. And then, and then you look your spouse in the eye and say, "Well, would you forgive me? I, I, I've been kind of hanging on to my parents, haven't I? Yeah, yeah, you have. Hey, I, I've been hanging on to some some relationships I probably needed to let go of, right? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. have. Hey, I've been hanging on to some grief for." Amazing, amazing what forgiveness does. Asking God to forgive you, receiving his forgiveness, and just being open with your spouse, the one you became one with. Literally, some of your marriages could be changed in a a heartbeat. So this is the letting go part, right? You gotta let go of your parents, you gotta let go of uh, people, and you gotta let go of your past problems. Now I wanna quickly deal with the hanging on part. And once again, you got to look at verse 24, okay? This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. And you ought to underline in your Bible or whatever the word join. Some of your Bibles use the word cleave, right? In Hebrew, it literally means to glue together or to adhere together, to stick together. And uh, it has this idea of imagine super glue. In fact, I'll give you an illustration. I've given this to you before, but... I want you to see this, okay? Here you are as a guy. Here you are as a gal. Here's the guy up front. and The gal walks forward. And they say some vows and exchange some rings. And, and, and the preacher says, you're now married and kiss and, and all that. And you, something... Something has happened that is spiritual, weighty. You're no longer this, you're, 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 you're this. And I actually glued these together. I actually did what that means, to cleave. They're now glued together that okay. this is what you hold on to. You let go of these other things, but now you're glued together. You're no longer this. You're 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 this. You're glued together. Now let me give you a very vivid illustration of divorce. You're glued together. You made a commitment, you made a vow. And now you're gonna try to unjoin yourself. I just don't love him anymore. Yeah, it's over, it's over and done with. I don't wanna be with him. can never be totally this again, guys, never. And ladies, you, you, you can never, totally be this again. Once you said I do, you glued yourself together, and that's why divorce is so hard. That's why it's so, so painful, because it's supposed to be hard. God made it hard. Once you said I do, once you made that vow, it became something very difficult. And I know, because I've talked with many of you that have gone through a divorce, whether you want it or not, it's it's painful. And then here's what happens. Listen to me, ladies and men, especially those of you that are single right now. Then all of a sudden you go out to the bar. And all of a sudden, some guy shows up. And you know what he does? He he, he shows you this. That's what he shows you. Because they're out, ooh. And, and guys, guess what the lady's doing? All she's doing is showing you this. And for a while, whoa, look at there. And pretty soon, you start to, whoa, whoa, whoa. You realize this is not, this is complex. Complicated. Yeah. You see, anybody can show you this for a little while. Anybody can show you that for just a little while. But the reality is, this is them. They're, they're always attached to the person that they said I do to, even though they have a, a divorce, or two, or three, or four, or however many. I love the idea that God made it hard and it's supposed to be, this relationship. Now, here's the deal. I, I, I'm gonna end. And this is, now I'm zeroing in on just those of you that are married, but this will be good for those of you that are single too. Probably you don't remember your vows. Uh, you know, the richer, I don't know, poorer. Healthy, yeah, yeah, not healthy. You know, joy, yeah, sorrow, you, you don't remember. And so here I am today, and uh, Lonnie and I, and actually Nancy too, she was in Lonnie's office, and I just thought I'd, I'd do something. I want to make something available to you? Because I, I think that there are, are, are two commitments that I, I want you to make if you're married in here, okay? And I guarantee if you make these commitments, good things will happen. And the first commitment is this. Number one is never, 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 never consider divorce as an option. If you're single and you need to get married, you, you don't go into it with, well, you know, doesn't work. I'll just, I just gave you an illustration of what happens. Maybe, maybe you've had a divorce or six in your life already. I, I want you to make a new commitment tonight to never, never, never consider divorce as an, as an option. Never doesn't even enter your mind. Even when World War III is going on in your home, and it will happen in every home, I'm gonna talk a little bit about that next week, Lord willing. Uh, Pastor Rick and Yvonne are down here, Nancy, you know, and Lonnie are down here, and my wife will be here tomorrow morning, and, you know, we're these pastors of the church, and, and you know, we're always got our arms around each other, and, and we love each other, and all that stuff. Hey, hey, yeah. trust me. We, we have our moments. Just because you put a P and an A and an S and a T and an O and an R in front of your name doesn't mean you don't have troubles at times in your marriage or your family. But one thing I know about them is that that's a commitment. It's just, it, it, there's, there's just no, it never even enters the brain. That's the first commitment that I want you to make, okay? The second commitment is this, do whatever it takes and whatever it costs to make your marriage work. You see, the second one's every bit as important as the first one, because you know what, I'm not going to divorce, I'm not going to do it, I'm just going to be miserable my whole life, (laughs) not do anything to fix my marriage or, you know, whatever. No, the second commitment is I'm going to do whatever it takes, whatever it costs to make my marriage work. The, 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 the Bible says in Romans chapter 14, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. <laughs> Sometimes that takes effort. It takes effort. Maybe, maybe you gotta go see a, a, a counselor. Well, that's effort and money. Yeah, but you made the commitment to never, 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 never divorce. And so, guess what? The second one is you might have to spend a few shekels on your marriage. How much money do you spend on your car, servicing your car every year? A piece of steel. You're not even married to it. You take it in every 3,000 miles and change the oil and fluids and belts and crankshafts or whatever you do in those moments. I haven't got a clue. I mean, they could be doing anything under my head because I don't know. I don't know a thing. Hey, we're changing the crankshaft. All right, change it. How much is it? What? How, much, how much effort are you putting into your marriage? Some of you, I've met guys. Uh, I, I'm not going to counseling. That's, that's a marriage that's doomed. Gals, I'm not going to go to counseling. I don't need it. He needs it. I'm like Eve. I got no Mars. I got no flaws. I got no sin in my life. You know, I'm perfect. My husband would just pull his act together. That marriage is doomed. But when you get two people, go okay, divorce is off the table. We're not doing it. So what do we got to do? What juice we got to put into it? For some of you, you're putting in the juice to come to this series. Praise the Lord. That takes some effort. It's an hour and a half of your life. Yeah. Now we're in 32 minutes now. <laughs> okay. I mean, you're putting, you're putting some juice into it. I get, I get it. Maybe you got to go back. Maybe you were here last week, but you were so angry and ticked. Maybe you need to go back and spend an hour just you and your wife alone at home watching Lonnie's message. That right there save you 150 an hour at a therapist's office. Not, not, not that you shouldn't go to a therapist, a Christian therapist. Just sit down and say, honey, sit down. Let's get some coffee. Let's get some tea. And let's just watch this together. And when something comes up, hit the pause button. What would you think about that? And allow each other to into each other's lives. Do it with this message. If we get it next week, do it with next week's. Amazing what, what might happen. So here's what, here's what I did. I had our... Um, Graphics department put this together. This is what Lonnie and I and Nancy were were looking at this week. And it's basically those two promises. I promise and commit to never, never, never consider divorce as an option, Malachi 2.16. God says I hate divorce. And then the second one is I promise and commit to do whatever it takes and spend whatever it costs to make my marriage work, right? And then there's two places where you as a husband and you as a wife can sign it. And then there's a date because you don't have your vows to put up on the wall. You don't even remember what they are probably. But what you could do is you could do this. And we, you can go to our website and you can print it out in whatever size you want. You want it small, make it small. You want it big, make it big. You want to make wallpaper out of it, make wallpaper out of it. You can do, but we, we just made one that you could see. That's pretty nice, man, you can put that up and it's something you can look at. It's something you could share with your children. Your grandkids, this is one of the ways you could mentor your family, mentor a friend. Some friend comes over to your house, say, you know what, at our church, we made this commitment, and we both signed it, you know, Jimmy and I just both both signed it, and we got it up, it's on our wall, or it's on our desk, or whatever size you do, that you would always remember this, this commitment. Some of you are thinking to yourself, well, Rick, my marriage is already beyond hope. No, it's not. No, it's not. Don't you believe that? The God that's revealed between these two leather-bound covers can do incredible things. Lonnie and I and Rick and I, we've been here, we've been in ministry a long, long time. There are people sitting amongst you right now that you don't even know. You just, you you see their marriage, you go, man, they got a beautiful marriage. Which of my marriage is like theirs? Well, let me tell you something. We know something about those marriages. They were dead, dead, no hope. And God, because they just took some action, made the commitment, I'm not divorcing, they took some action. And today, you don't even know what a beautiful marriage they have. Well, it may not be like it once was, it's, but it's, it's different. And different isn't necessarily better or worse. It's just different. I want you to believe. I want you to believe. Everybody stand up. Let me pray. And so, Lord, thank you, God, for tonight. I, I just really, really enjoyed the music. I enjoyed seeing the folks being baptized. Wow, that's always so encouraging and life-giving. Father, uh, thank you for your word and this simple verse in Genesis 2. It's just really powerful, what it says and what it means. Lord, watch over the marriages of this church. May miracles happen, maybe even tonight, Lord. If there's somebody here and they would like for us to pray for them, the May they just find the the courage to come into the altar room and let us pray. Thanks, Jesus, for your goodness. And I pray this in your name. And all of God's people said, Amen. amen. Hey, the altar room will be open. Okay, folks, blessings. Happy birthday. Thank you.